Thank you. Sorry, my name is Chris Weldon. I'm one of the portfolio managers at Magellan, as, uh, as Ian mentioned. What I'm hoping we all take away from this session is an understanding uh, of the importance of high quality businesses and structural growth uh, in your portfolios today. So we're going to keep coming back to those two themes, high quality companies and structural growth. And the reason both growth and quality is so important today because we're living in a highly uncertain, low growth world. So let's just start by talking about the environment as we see it. Whether we are currently mid-cycle or late-cycle in equity markets is, of course, impossible to know. But what we can be quite confident in is that we're no longer in the early innings of this market and economic expansion. Asset prices are elevated, including equities. So that's the first point. Second point is that the big central banks around the world have become more uncertain. And you see central banks all around the world cutting rates, and there is renewed discussion of unconventional monetary policies like quantitative easing and all those things. This is a really important point we're going to come back to throughout the presentation, lower, lower interest rates and, and what that may mean for portfolios. What's interesting, though, at the moment is that the US economy, and particularly the US consumer, continues to perform very well. Unemployment is very low. We just had a jobs report last, last week from the US. It's 3.5% unemployment up there, the lowest it's been in 50 years. The US economy is performing well. We cannot discount inflationary pressures at the moment. But that is a risk that equity, price, equity markets are not currently pricing in. So you put all these things together, high prices, but low growth, low yields but lingering inflation concerns, and of course it means the, uh, the global economic outlook is highly uncertain. At Magellan we recognise this global uncertainty, but we don't own markets or economies broadly. We own highly concentrated portfolios in very high quality businesses, some of the world's best businesses, and we want to deliver reliable and attractive returns to clients with downside protection. It's a really important point. To deliver these sort of returns in this environment, we believe accessing mega trends or structural growth through high quality businesses will be critical to long-term wealth creation. Let's just all pause and think through where portfolio returns come from. Portfolio returns come from growth or from yield. So let's start with yield. What we're showing here is the yield on the US 10-year Treasury. And you can see that it's fallen now for decades. In most other developed economies around the world, yields are actually lower or even negative. I'm going to come back to that point. So what's causing these very low long-term yields? Well, of course, you have current cyclical factors like the tensions between the US and China, and that is having a dampening impact on growth and yields around the world. But you also have long-term structural factors putting downward pressure on these yields. Things like aging populations around the world, rising inequality, technology like software and automation replacing workers, high debt levels across the world, all these things putting downward pressure on long-term yields. Now remember I said here, US yields are very low, but they're actually lower, even negative in other parts of the world. What this shows is real yields or real returns. And that adjusts the yields that we showed on the last slide for inflation. It's the yield that is left 
after inflation. This is the number that really matters to us as investors. And what you can see here is that real rates are barely positive in the US and are actually negative in Europe and in Japan. And what that means is investors in these assets on an after inflation basis are actually going backwards. So yields today around the world on a real or a nominal basis are at very low or even negative levels. But then we need to think through where yields are likely to go next. And the journey that equity markets and us at Magellan as well have been on over the last few years has been one in which we expected long-term yields to increase as we came out of the global financial crisis. We expected as we exited the GFC, we'd have a normalization in monetary policy around the world. You know, quantitative easing would pivot to quantitative tightening and that would put upward pressure on long-term yields. We expected a return to healthy growth around the world, also putting upward pressure on, on yields. And we did see that dynamic for a little while and to a limited extent. But our view today is that we're now entering a lower for longer yield environment, a lower for longer rate cycle. We don't expect a meaningful increase in long-term yields for all of the structural reasons I just mentioned, the aging population, the leverage in the system, uh, the demographics, all, all those sort of things. So just to summarize where we're at so far, portfolio returns come from growth or from yield. And yields have been falling for decades and are at very low levels today. And there are a range of cyclical and structural headwinds likely to keep these long-term yields low for an extended period. So if portfolio returns are dependent in part on yield, low yields must be bad for portfolio returns, right? Well, this is where things get a little interesting. This is where we'll need to do a, a simple little math lesson together. Low rates and low yields aren't all bad. To understand this, we need to explore this formula which is used to determine the value of any asset, including equities. To value an asset, firstly, you need to think through the future cash flows from that asset. That could be rental income from a property, it could be interest income from a bond or for a business. It's the future free cash flows which is a sort of a proxy for earnings from that business. We then divide those future free cash flows by a risk-free rate, which is the return you earn from a risk-free asset, like the government bonds we've been showing on the last few slides, plus a risk premium, less the expected growth rate in the cash flows of that company. This is the formula that will give you an estimate for that intrinsic value. Now, we're all investors, right? And we want the value of our assets to go up over time. So let's think through the components of this formula that will help us figure out what contributes to an increase in our investment values, our asset values, becoming more valuable over time. We want things that make our asset values go up. And the two things that will increase the value of an investment are higher growth or lower yields. That's the way this formula works. So just to summarize that again, Asset values increase with higher growth or with lower yields. As interest rates fall, as they have been, the value of your equity investment goes up, all else equal. This dynamic 
is what has helped drive equity markets to the high levels that they're at today. And this is what I meant earlier when I said that lower yields aren't all bad. But this is the most important part, and I can't stress this next section enough. All the reasons that are contributing to these lower yields, the demographic issues, the leverage, the US-China tensions, all those things, they're actually contributing to lower growth, lower growth at an economic level. And lower growth is bad for equity values. High growth is good, lower growth is bad. So how do you navigate this environment? The key is to look for structural growth trends that aren't related to cyclical factors and as such aren't related to interest rate movements. In this world, portfolio returns are not going to come from yield. Portfolios need structural growth. These are the technological, societal, or demographic trends unrelated to cyclical factors. They include things like cloud computing and digital advertising, digital payments, e-commerce, driverless cars, and so on. The growth in emerging market consumers, which we're going to come back to, to that point as well. But at Magellan, we go further. We recognize the importance of secular growth, but that's not enough. It's necessary, but it's not sufficient. We want to access this secular growth for our clients through high quality or differentiated businesses. It's only through high quality companies with dominant and strong market positions that you can have conviction in who the winners are going to be from this growth. So let's use an example. I think we'd all agree that social networks and electric vehicles are two growth industries. In the years and decades ahead, there'll be more and more users of social networks and more and more electric vehicles on the road, both have enduring growth tailwinds behind them. But I would have much more confidence that Facebook will remain the dominant social network company in the years and decades ahead, and a lot less confidence that Tesla will remain the dominant producer of electric vehicles around the world. MySpace is not coming back from the dead to threaten Facebook, and Snapchat is slowly losing users while Facebook continues to grow its user base and strengthen over time. On the other hand, there are dozens and dozens and dozens of auto manufacturers around the world, profitable auto manufacturers around the world, who know a thing or two about making cars and are now entering the electric vehicle market. Business quality really matters. Now, I'll give you another example. I said we'd come back and we'd talk about emerging market consumption opportunity, and particularly China. It's quite obvious to us that there is structural consumption growth taking place in China. And there are some incredible statistics on the consumption opportunity that exists in China going forward. You just start with the population. It's 1.4 billion people. It is an enormous market. That is 20% of humanity. Then you start working your way down the pyramid, the economic pyramid. There's about 300 million people in the middle class in China today, and various estimates that, that will double over the next decade or so. That's adding another 300 million people to the middle class. That's the entire US population today. These numbers are really, really big and meaningful. The upper class, slightly up the pyramid, about 50 million people today expected to grow to 200 million people over the next decade. And the affluent class, about 10 million people today, expected to grow to 60 million people. I was reading a report a week or two ago from UBS and PwC that said over the last few years, 
on a weekly basis, there have been two new billionaires created in China every single week. So there is an explosion in wealth and income at the very top of the pyramid in China. It's a very exciting structural growth opportunity uh, going forward. This graph lays out the growth in the Chinese population by income band. And you can see from the first line that the rate of growth for people earning between five and $30,000 a year has been growing at a rate of about 50% per annum. Now, that's important because it's at this level of income that we find these emerging market populations begin to enter the, uh, the luxury goods industry. They begin to spend on luxury goods. More recently, you can see that there's been an inflection upwards in the 50, sorry, the 30 to 50 and the 50 to $70,000 income populations. So remember, this is the level at which people begin buying luxury. As we look forward, all of these higher income buckets are growing at a rate for the next 15 years in the high single digit and above range. All of this happening in a low growth, low yield world. So this is an example of a secular growth trend, but it's then critical to, to think through and identify who the winners from this growth are going, uh, will be, which companies will be the beneficiaries of this growth. And we would argue a company like Louis Vuitton, Moe Hennessy, LVMH, uh, will likely be a continuing beneficiary of this structural growth in China. Louis Vuitton, Moe Hennessy is the world's largest luxury goods business has a portfolio of about 70 luxury brands, many of, you, of which I'm, I'm sure you'd recognize. Of course, Louis Vuitton, Christian Dior, Fendi, uh, Hennessy Cognac, Champagne brands like Dom Perignon and Verve and Moe, Bulgari Jewelry, uh, perfume brands, cosmetics brands, and on and on it goes. A lot of those brands, the best luxury brands in the business reside within LVMH. Now, it's a very high-quality company. There's two things I'd, I'd mention. First is those core brands, all of which we just ran through. They have unique heritage and authenticity, in some cases dating back centuries. These brands stand for something. Consumers have associations in their mind when it comes to these brands. The truth is there are many companies around the world that can sell you a handbag, just like there are many companies around the world that can sell you a car back to the Tesla example, but there is only one company on the planet, just one company that can sell you a Louis Vuitton handbag. And of course we know uh, what they'll charge you for that privilege, very high prices. Um, they control the distribution of their brands. That's another very uh, important part of the competitive position. Um, it means that you can only buy Louis Vuitton products in Louis Vuitton stores around the world, which means they control the client experience and the service levels and importantly, they control the pricing. So you'll never find a Louis Vuitton product on sale, discounted, promoted. They would rather, and they have, they would rather take back their product and burn it or destroy it rather than offering on sale because that, of course, is not what the brand is all about. It's about scarcity. So LVMH has the quality to win in this industry and this industry is benefiting from the growth in the Chinese consumer. A third of LVMH's sales already come from Chinese shoppers buying all over the world. And these Chinese luxury shoppers have accounted for 60% of the growth in the global luxury goods industry over the last 20 years. And look at what this is doing to LVMH's revenue growth. In the top right-hand chart, you can see that LVMH's revenue growth is actually accelerating as time goes by. 
and that's because of its exposure to this secular growth that's happening in China. So bringing this all together, at Magellan we see there are a number of secular trends at play, and we want to find the best differentiated companies in the world that will take advantage of these trends. It can include things like technology winners that will benefit from cloud computing, from digital advertising, Sectors where we see long-term tailwinds like the rise of the middle class in China, we just spoke about, uh, or the move to a cashless society which will benefit Visa and MasterCard. And we balance those investments with other high-quality but defensive stocks that we believe will be immune uh, to the impact of interest rates, such as certain infrastructure and utility businesses uh, and, and consumer staples and consumer defensive businesses there as well. So let's bring this all all together and try to tie a bow around this, asset prices are at very high levels today. And that's largely because yields have fallen dramatically. That was part of the math lesson uh, that we did together. Portfolio returns are generated by growth and yield. But this highly uncertain economic backdrop today offers very little yield and there are real challenges to broad economic growth. However, while growth at an economic level may be challenged, there are industries that will benefit from structural tailwinds. But identifying these growth industries isn't enough. We believe you need to access structural growth through dominant and undervalued businesses. We believe a concentrated portfolio in these high quality and undervalued businesses operating in large and growing addressable markets offers the best chance of delivering the reliable and attractive returns and the downside protection we seek to generate for our, for our clients. Now, to conclude, these are the two listed investment trusts uh, we have at Magellan, as well as their key features. Both adhere to the same philosophy and the same process, uh, a lot of which I've just discussed. Both also seek to actively manage the currency exposure through hedging, uh, which is quite a relevant topic we're finding at the moment with the, the Aussie dollar around 67, 68 cents uh, against the USD. Uh, it's quite relevant at the moment. But you can see that MHH, the High Conviction Trust, is a much more concentrated portfolio. We call it our best ideas portfolio. While MGG offers a slightly higher targeted cash distribution yield. But then there are a number of other common features. Both have standing buybacks in place. We disclose the indicative NAV, the net asset value for both of these products every 15 seconds. You're gonna know in real time, all time, what the underlying value of these trusts is. And look it up on our website. We disclose it every 15 seconds. Um, otherwise, there is those few differences. One's more concentrated, one has a slightly um, higher targeted cash distribution. So thank you very much. Please come and see myself um, or the rest of the Magellan team at the Magellan booth afterwards if any questions on these products or anything else we've, uh, we've discussed this morning. Thank you very much.